welcome to the Get to the Point podcast, a podcast for busy women who want to have real conversations about fitness, nutrition, and lifestyle, but without rambling or wasting time. Let's get to the point. One. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Get to the Point podcast. This is your host, Leslie Ann. I'm a certified personal trainer, fat loss nutrition coach, and the founder of Fat Loss Lifestyle School. I'm excited to have Jen Lucas back on the podcast today, and we are going to be talking all things middle ground, which is our favorite place to live. That's where we live year-round here at Fat Loss Lifestyle School. But first, I got to give a shout out to our friends at Legion Athletics. They are sponsors of the podcast, and a lot of you have asked me questions about the plant-based protein from Legion. And I got to be honest with you, I haven't tried it because I use whey protein and I love it so much that I just haven't had a reason to try something else. But Jen is our go-to girl for plant-based protein. So Jen, tell us why you use the plant-based Legion product and what your experience has been like with plant-based protein powders and why you like this one. Yeah, so I use plant-based protein because I have a dairy allergy, which means I can't use any dairy products, no whey, uh, no casein, none of those, um, none of those products. And so I'm, you know, stuck with plant protein, I'm stuck with potentially, you know, egg and beef and some of those other ones. Um, but the reason I use Legion, um, and I was so excited about this sponsorship because, or this partnership with Legion, because uh i've tried i've tried them all i've tried the ones <laughs> you buy in the store i've tried like specialty ones the best tasting um plant protein that i found prior to legion was around 80 dollars a tub oh, whoa super expensive um but it tasted awesome <laughs> i was pleasantly pleasantly ex- surprised and excited and just pumped when I found Legion because it tasted every bit as good as that super expensive one. Um, but the price point was similar to, you know, what you would pay for a whey protein. Yeah. Most, most plant proteins out there are kind of like gritty and grainy and have a weird, uh, funky aftertaste to them. (laughs) It tastes like dirt. (laughs) Yeah. Or what I, what I say, it tastes like, like ground up cardboard. (laughs) Oh, okay. That's better way. That's delicious. Yeah. Delicious. Um, (laughs) But Legion is not, and I love both of their flavors, vanilla and also the, the I think it's mocha cappuccino is the oh. other vegan. Yeah, they're both fantastic. I end up using vanilla more because I can mix it with more things. It's kind of more neutral as far as smoothies and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, love it. That's how I ended up on it and um, love the price point and love the taste and the, the texture and the consistency and everything about it. Awesome. Yeah. So if you are in the market for a plant-based protein, head over to legionathletics.com. And Jen, what is your code that they can use for 20% off their first order? Perfect. It is Jen, F-L-L-S. So J-E-N-N with two N's and then (laughs) F-L-L-S. That's my code. Yeah, there you go. So let us know if you try it and how you like it. And definitely give Jen a shout out on Instagram uh, at Jen underscore Lucas underscore, right? Yeah. And uh, let her know how you like your plant-based protein from legion (laughs) so we're gonna what's that the next time we're together i'll have to bring you some so you can try it (laughs) yeah please do and the vanilla by the way is my favorite whey flavor i know that's pretty boring but you're right it goes with everything so it's just like it's a little black dress of protein powder (laughs) um we're gonna talk about something that we it's one of our favorite topics today guys and it's this idea of holding the middle ground 
because we live in a world, we work in an industry that is dominated by extremes. I think this is just kind of, this just popped into my head, but extreme is kind of the name of the game right now in society. Like everything is polarized. Everything's very extreme, either this or that, black or white. Um, and, you know, these two extremes like to fight each other a lot. And I think a lot of what's being lost is that middle ground. It's that area where we can all kind of come together and, and live happily and coexist. And this is our happy place in Fat Loss Lifestyle School. So this whole podcast episode is about the middle ground. And we're going to share with you guys five ways that we hold the middle ground 365 days a year, 12 months a year, year after year. We've been doing this for so many years. I think I'm on like my 10th or 11th year. Jen, do you know what you're on? I'm coming up on, I think I started who back in like 2014, 2015, mm -hmm. so up on six, seven years. Yeah. You're just a couple years behind me, but yeah, we've been doing this like without interruption. Like once you find it and it works and it clicks, it's like, why would you ever want to leave? It's just, it's so happy. Totally. <laughs> the middle ground. So for the first topic we're going to talk about, it is this idea of avoiding extremes. Jen, go ahead and kick us off and explain what this means and kind of the dangers of taking an extreme approach to the way that you eat, the way that you train or, or how you lose weight or lose fat. Fire away. Yeah. So the first extreme is kind of the obvious one. And that's the one that is pretty much a no brainer for most people who are somewhat educated in health and wellness. And that is the extreme of living a sedentary lifestyle and eating and drinking, consuming whatever you want without any sort of thought. Um, that is an extreme that everyone should be aware, creates all sorts of sickness related to diet, related to health measures and things like that. So that's a pretty easy one. Any Anybody in the health industry is gonna tell you like, hey, that's probably not a good choice. <laughs> Um, so that would be the, the extreme of, you know, not caring, not doing anything related to health and, um, nutrition and movement and all that. But then the other extreme is going to be extreme dieting or extreme restriction or extreme caloric deficits. So basically cutting and slashing the tires of anything that you eat, you know, it's, well, I need to lose weight. So I'm just going to eat only chicken and broccoli. That's all I'm going to eat all the time. And that's, that's a pretty dangerous place to be in my opinion can be just as bad as the opposite end of the spectrum. Um, so those are sort of the ends of the spectrum. And we know that we can't sustain either one of those. We yeah. can't sustain extreme cuts and extreme deficits and restrictions. We also can't sustain extreme, um, no movement, no semblance of nutrition, because both of those lead to really bad outcomes. Um, so I think what we have to do is we have to find the middle ground because, you know, we, we've probably dipped into headed towards both of those extremes at certain points. And we know that the, the farther we edge toward that line, the more difficult and, and the worse it becomes. Um, so those are kind of what I consider the two extremes. And the reason why we have to find a, a balance, a middle ground. Yeah. I think one of the, the side effects of this kind of extreme living, swinging from being sedentary, eating, you know, highly processed, um, high calorie, fast food type things, and then swinging to the other end of the, the spectrum towards extreme dieting, you basically get stuck swinging from one to extreme to the other. They tend to kind of you know, bounce off each other. And the visual that I always share is like a pendulum. So it's this pendulum swinging. And if you pull it in one direction and you go like hardcore, sit on your couch, 
all your meals come from Grubhub um, and they're all fast food. And then you swing to the other direction, which is like, I'm just going to do a juice cleanse and do an hour of cardio every day. That's going to bounce you right back in the other direction. Like it's just, it's insane to watch people do this and to not make the connection between one extreme leads to the other extreme. It's just that constant swing back and forth. So um, that's, you know, why I tell people like the goal should be to stop the pendulum swing. Like you want to live right here in the middle. Like you said, there's, there's two lines. You can kind of edge a little in either direction, but staying in the middle is, is just a more balanced place to be. And you, you aren't constantly fighting between these two extremes. Yeah. And I think what, what happens there is people start to experience that pendulum swing. And then they're like, there's something wrong with me. Yeah. I can't do this. I'm a failure. I, you know, this and that, but the, the reality is it, it's, it's not got nothing to do with you. It's the fact that you're pushing towards these two extremes and your body is like, it, yeah. it's, it's your metabolism and your body being like, Whoa, like this is not good. This is bad. And sort of swinging back the other way. Yeah. I think that's something a lot of people don't understand when they take their first swipe at losing weight or dieting is that the human physiology is not geared for either of the, either of these two extremes. Like you said, they're both equally unhealthy and yep. our bodies aren't designed to live in either one of those states. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Have you ever, I'm curious, I don't know if we've talked about this, but have you ever done any kind of like cleanse or, you know, elimination diet or 1200 calories, any, anything like that in your past? I don't know that I know this about you. Um, I would say that I want to say no, but, but maybe like, so the closest I got was there was a time uh, I was a college athlete. So when you're, when you're a college athlete, you can pretty much eat a lot cause you're training. Sure. All the time. Um, and so I did work with a nutritionist that we had on staff to kind of help to help, but it was more general recommendations, things like that. So after I got out of college, I swung to the side of sedentary eating highly processed foods, eating whatever I wanted. I gained a whole bunch of weight, was super unhappy. And so I thought, well, I've got a, I've got a diet. I've got to swing back the other way. And my answer, which, you know, what I thought at the time, I was having like a lean cuisine for lunch and oh, yeah. crashing <laughs> in, in there. the afternoon. And like, one, the lean cuisines are absolutely horrific. Like they're horrible. <laughs> They're like this little, like piddly, sad amount of calories. Yeah. You're not getting the nutrition that you actually need. And so again, your body pushes back and it's like, Hey, I, like this isn't going to work. And it, it yeah, that, that's probably the closest that I've been was I went from a college athlete to then not working out at all to then, yeah. Oh, well, I need to diet and I need to try this. It didn't. And, and I realized very quickly, like, this is stupid. Like this is not going to work. <laughs> yeah. So I kind of had to swing back into the middle and find that middle ground after that. Yeah, I think mine happened when I was in my early 20s because um, I started I started exercising pretty consistently and being conscious of what I was eating in college and you know moved to DC for my internship and um, got re I, yeah, it was it was not good. I was very extreme with exercise compulsive exercising, like being on the treadmill downstairs to like one in the morning because I had a piece of cake at dinner and like had to burn it off. So yeah, I definitely had those phases in my early twenties where I was just crazy. And then what got me out of it was becoming a body pump instructor because I was doing Weight Watchers. So I was definitely eating lean cuisines because they're like, what, three points, four points, super <laughs> low in points. So let's get those. Um, and then 
I teach a body pump class and literally thought I was going to black out. Like I remember like seeing spots when I was teaching, like what is going on? And it's because I wasn't eating, but like 1200 something calories a day. And those workouts burn what? 500 calories, something like that. It's just that math does not work. Your body's not happy. So yeah, then you end up in the parking lot eating, you know, an entire box of Weight Watchers, two point snack cakes. That's just what that life was about. So let's stay out of that y'all. <laughs> let's, let's not go there. Uh, the second point I will kick over to you, Jen, tell our, tell our folks, uh, the second way to find the middle ground and stay there. Yeah. So the second, the second area is to be able to enjoy all foods. And I think honestly, this is what attracted me to you and to your program at the beginning, because back in the day you were called fat loss cooking school or you were called fat loss foodies. Yeah. It's fat loss cooking school. And it appealed to me because I was like, okay, I'm a foodie. I enjoy food. Like let's find a way that I can still eat all the things that I love, but in a smart way and in a way that's going to help me reach my goals. Um, so, so that's what originally attracted me to your, your program was that, oh, they're foodies. They, they love food. They're not going to shy away from it. Um, but I think with that, with that sort of foodie mindset, like I enjoy food. Like I love, I love all different kinds of flavors and spices and treats. And to me, a diet or a nutrition plan that cuts that stuff out is not, is not going to work for me because of the enjoyment factor and the satisfaction factor. Um, and I think too, for something to be sustainable, you can't, put a label on a food and say, well, that food is a bad thing. So you can't eat that food. Um, again, that's sort of that extreme that that's not, it's a no-go sort of place for me. Um, so I had to sort of learn and realize that foods are not good or bad, that all foods can be options, obviously, unless I am allergic to them. Like I can't go eat a piece of right. That's a bad food for me because that'll create a bad outcome. Um, so yeah, but the, the thing there though too is you can't say, well, you can just have unlimited amounts of any kind of foods that you want. Like that's the other end of the extreme. Yeah. Um, and so you have to say, okay, I really love, and this is an example from Thanksgiving from last week, I love bourbon pecan pie. And so for me to make like a cleaned up version or something that's healthier or whatever, it's not going to get it for me because it's not the same. It's not bourbon pecan pie. Um, so I'm going to make that thing that I love because it's, it's my favorite and I'm going to enjoy probably multiple pieces of it over the course of, you know, the holiday and I'm going to really enjoy it because I do. But again, I'm not eating bourbon pecan pie every single week, every single month. I literally eat it once a year for Thanksgiving. Yeah. Um, so, you know, by, by in my mind, I could say, hey, this is a very bad food. It's made with white table sugar and caro syrup and fat, and it's a ton of calories. But you know what? I love the thing, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna label that as bad because it's it's a special holiday food that I really enjoy. Yeah, one of the one of the things that was inspiring me back at the time that I started what is now Fat Loss Lifestyle School. Like you said, it used to be called Fat Loss Foodies, and my first program was Fat Loss Cooking School is because when I was a baby personal trainer, still like learning about nutrition and I hadn't even done nutrition certifications yet. All I knew was that all the other trainers that I worked with would bring these big cooler bags into the gym. Like I'm sure you've seen these, right? And they have multiple like little Tupperware containers 
and they would like sit in the break room and like eat their meals. And it was always like chicken, broccoli, rice, or tilapia and asparagus, like these very cliche, like bro meals. And I just remember thinking, because I mean, five minutes ago, I was working in an office in, in DC, a nine to five job, um, eating lean cuisines for lunch. So I was still kind of in that in-between phase where I was not quite a full-time fitness professional, but not quite a full-time, you know, um, professional working in an office. And I just knew that the women that I was working with, for me to tell them, you have to bring all your food, like pre-measured out in these big Tupperware containers in a cooler and lug that around with you, you know, to the office every day. I was like, they're not going to do that. And plus that food's gross. <laughs> so I was like, I wonder if there's a way that we could make food that is good for fat loss, like food that fills us up, is low in calories, is really nutritious, high in protein, high in fiber. If we could also like make that taste good, is that a thing? And that's what inspired me to get in the kitchen and start making recipes and give them to my clients and they loved them. And then they just, it kind of became like this awesome feed forward cycle. Once they stopped thinking of um, food as good or bad, or, you know, well, the food I have to eat if I want to lose weight is really nasty then everything got easier for them. So I think you're right. It's, it's about, and once again, you know, staying in the middle and not demonizing foods, but also I think respecting food and knowing, like actually learning about what it does in your body. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's a no brainer. Like we all know you need to eat some protein, you need to eat vegetables, but you don't have to eat like a steamed vegetable with no seasoning on it because that yeah. is nasty. So like, there's we don't ways, eat that either. No, like there's ways to cook your food to make it really delicious. Like I now love eating vegetables because I make them taste great with seasonings, with a little bit of high quality oil or, you know, high quality fat with the vegetables, salt. Like you should definitely salt your food. Yes. A doctor has told you not to salt your food. Like, please put salt on things. <laughs> um, so like you can enjoy all the foods that are on your plate even if they're like healthy, nutritious, minimally processed foods, like there are still ways to make them fantastic. Yeah. And that's, go ahead. I was gonna say, that's one of my favorite things that we do in fat loss lifestyle school is teach our clients um, ways to, to make food taste great. And I, I, as a coach, I'm always on the lookout. I'm like, mm, do you enjoy eating that broccoli <laughs> with no seasoning on it? Talk to me about How that. How does that taste? That yeah, like I'm looking out for when when our clients post that because I'm like, okay, cool. If you enjoy it, like do you, but like I'm not going to – I don't want to see you eating bland, disgusting vegetables to me anyway. Yeah. <laughs> if you don't enjoy that, you know? Right, right. And I think, too, there's there's probably people listening right now who think because of because of the, the context of their current lifestyle, like where, where they're not – they don't know how to fuel their bodies right. They're not training right. Like they're just, they're still kind of in the figuring it out space and still kind of dieting and, you know, swinging in the extremes. They probably don't trust themselves around food. And so they're listening to us like, yeah, yeah, that's all fine and good for you guys. But you just have like a ton of discipline and a ton of willpower. I could never do that. And I kid you not, we have women who are in that same place. And then by the, the end of week one in fat loss lifestyle school, they're telling us things like, this is the first week where I've come home from work and I haven't raided my pantry or I like there's ice cream in my freezer and I totally forgot about it. Or I don't drink, I don't even want wine at night anymore because I feel so good. I don't need the wine to unwind. So understand that just because you've maybe never had this place of 
feeling in control around food, again, that's not like a, a personal problem with you or like some moral shortcoming that you have. It's just because you haven't learned yet how to fuel your body, how to set your lifestyle up properly that aligns with your goals. And we can teach you that. And it's not that hard. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. You guys didn't see me, but when she started talking about discipline and willpower and all that, uh-huh. I started, like violently shaking my head. Like, <laughs> No. And that's the same thing I mentioned in the whole like diet pendulum swinging. People do these things and think, oh, well, there's something wrong with me or I like I couldn't do that. But the reality is like, uh, yeah, you can. It's just it's a skill, right? It's like anything else. It's not something wrong with you or something you're doing wrong. It's just a skill that you haven't yet learned. Yeah. And it, it's not discipline. It's not willpower. It's not a judgment on you as a person or anything like that. It's yeah. just I think it's learning about your body and learning how to work with it. Totally. And I always tell our clients, like, your body has your back. Like, it knows how to do all of this. You've just, like, because of the culture and the environment that we live in, everything's gotten all messed up. So we just kind of need to get you back to how things are supposed to work. And that's yeah. what you do. Yeah. Number three is my personal favorite because I am a recovering perfectionist. So the third way to stay in the middle ground is to stop trying to be perfect and instead embrace consistency because a lot of people think that consistency is perfection, but it's not. And Jen, I think you have a really good take on this with the holidays and like what you just talked about with the, the pecan pie. <laughs> it's oh, not yeah. an everyday thing. I wrote, I was kind of brainstorming these, these topics and I wrote this down, this quote without thinking about it. It just came on the paper and, it, and I wrote down what you do most of the time matters the most. Oh, that's good. Right? That just came out of catchy. (laughs) (laughs) Most of the time is what matters the most. Yeah. If, you know, when you're consistently doing what you should be and eating nutritious foods that that are going to serve your goals most of the time, that pecan pie that I had last week literally has no impact on my progress or anything whatsoever because most of the, what I do most of the time is what matters the most. Yeah. Um, And I think even some of our like graduates kind of fall into this category a little bit, like people who've been through the program get still sometimes get a little bit hung up on, well, this was the exact serving size of this protein on the food list. So I have to follow this, or this was, you know, well, I have to do this exact, this exact measurement of vegetables. And it's like, Hey, look, like if you're, if you're close, like, and, and this is the question that we get too, like, well, how do I, you know, with recipes or things like that, it's like, you know what, if you're, if you're close to where, you know, you need to be for that meal, you're good. good. It's good. It's, it's <laughs> fine. <laughs> like if, if you're making a, you know, a soup or a chili or something where you're not quite measuring out things exactly, but you've got an eyeball of on what you know you should be eating, call it good. Like you are good to go. And that's sort of like, um, there's, there's all kinds of strategies for, for nutrition, you know, from like weighing and measuring every single bite, but there's also strategies on how to eyeball things. And, you know, we have to learn how we have to learn portion sizes and things like that by weighing and measuring, but Hey, like at a certain point, you should get to a place where you can just kind of eyeball and just know, and just, and this is, this is back to consistency. Like it doesn't have to be hundred percent perfect for you to get really good results. Yeah. I think this is something that you and I had to use a lot back when we were traveling a lot for instructor trainings. If you guys don't know this about Jen and me, we used to work, well, she still does work. I used to work 
for a big fitness company called Les Mills. And pre-pandemic, we would travel all over the country and spend weekends training group fitness instructors. And um, it wasn't always practical to bring you know, a giant cooler bag of food with us. I mean, she would sometimes for, for the food allergy reason that she talked about, but I don't know about you, but I got really good at finding grocery stores, finding if there was like a Whole Foods or somewhere that had a salad bar um, and learning how to just eyeball things and get it close enough. I didn't travel with a measure, set of measuring cups and, you know, a food scale. That's crazy. And for the goals that we have in this program, like just being lean, athletic, fit and healthy, you don't need to be that specific. Like we are not, we are not. Olympic athletes, we are not training for bikini competitions. So, you know, if it's 30 grams of protein instead of 35, it ain't no thing. Like it's not that big of a deal. Just get close. You're yeah. fine. Move totally. on. <laughs> and I'm with you there. Like I guarantee you I could go into any airport gas station yes. <laughs> or restaurant, fast food restaurant, and I'm gonna be able to find something that's gonna work. Yep. Um, because like I know we have a lot of women who are busy, who are on the road, who are waiting in car lines for their kids. Like mm -hmm. there's options literally everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and once we teach you what those are, it's weird. It's like you, you get a new set of eyes and you can suddenly like see all like, Oh, that would work. Ooh, that would work. Could I, yes, that could work too. Instead of, you know, before when you were on your diet and you felt really restricted and like things had to be perfect, when you get rid of the perfect and just shoot for good enough, suddenly you have all these options. Yeah. And I think that's, I think that's a, a shift for a lot of our clients because they come totally. to and they're like, well, what do I do when I go out to eat? Or what do I do here? And what do I do there? And I literally yeah. say, what have you been doing? <laughs> <laughs> the same thing. Yeah. yeah. Nothing changes. <laughs> so let's talk about number four, which I kind of, uh, pre-gamed on this topic last night on my Instagram stories with my walk and talk, but You've done videos on this before. I've, I've talked about this before. This is, I think, probably of all the things we're going to talk about in this podcast episode, this is probably the thing that people don't know and don't understand, like have no idea what is realistic. Take it away. Yeah. So I jotted down like kind of three areas, like what is a realistic expectation for fat loss and like how fast are you going to lose weight? How fast is your body going to change? That's the first thing. The second thing is, um, I think people check their body fat and like use it as a way to track progress, but they don't actually know like what percent, what the percentages, yeah. where those numbers fall. Yep. Um, that's another thing I wanted to hit on. And then, um, I guess I can start with the third one that I have here. And that is that like weight on the scales is a crap way to measure your progress because yeah. the scales measures everything. It measures your muscle mass and your bones and your organs and the amount of fluid that you have in your body and your body fat. Um, so like body weight, you're going to see fluctuations in that. You're going to see, you know, there were times where I worked with a specialist nutritionist and I would see maybe over the course of months, only four or five pounds difference on the scales, mm -hmm. but my body fat would change drastically. And so I think, I think people still to this day use the scales as a way to track progress and it's total crap. Like it's the yeah. worst way to track progress. Yeah. And the thing too, is like, even though you maybe like your weight didn't change that much, 
the look of your body changed dramatically. Yes. Like what were some of the, the changes um, that you would see? Cause this is something I think a lot of people also don't understand is like what they're even looking for. Like they just, no one has ever taught them this before. Yeah. So what I would see when I worked with a specialist, eight to 12 weeks of, of very strict, like weighing, measuring all of that, I would only see a drop, maybe five pounds, eight pounds on the scales. Mm -hmm. but what I would see would be multiple percentages, like three, 4% body fat drop. Um, and what that means is all the muscle that I have becomes more visible. Yeah. And so you get more of a chiseled look when you start dropping body fat and sustaining that muscle mass. Um, and, you know, versus losing weight, which means you're losing everything. You're mm -hmm. losing muscle because muscle yep. is included in weight loss. So yep. when you just lose fat, it's literally just losing fat and you're now sort of seeing more of the muscle underneath kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and I yeah. actually had a comment on Instagram when I made this post that was, well, what about, what about your abdomen? What about belly fat? And, and I will tell you, and I will get on my soapbox about this, for you to see a flat stomach with visible ridges of abs, that is a very low percentage of body fat that you need to get to, to be there. It, it kind of varies based on genetics too. Like some oh. people can see visible def definition in their, in their abs in like low 20% high teens body fat, which is a really safe, healthy place to be. Mm -hmm. And then some people... Like they can't see abs until they're down in like, you know, 15, 14, 13, yeah. where you, you do not want to be as a female sustaining body fat that low. Some people are just naturally built that way. They just, you know, have a very, um, you know, low natural body fat level. And, and that's cool. But if you're forcing yourself into that to, to live there, to have visible abs, you're probably making some really big sacrifices to your lifestyle and to your health and to your, your hormones and fertility and all that stuff. So yeah, visible abs aren't really something you can you can chase and use as like a measurement. Yeah. So while we're on that topic, let's then talk about like body fat percentage because I think this yeah. is something that people kind of shy away from. Well, like what do these numbers mean? Right. Talk about our scale of, you know, one end versus the other. If you're over 32% body fat, 30 32%, you're looking at obesity and you're looking at clinical illness from carrying extra body fat. Like that's that's a clinical statistic there. It's it clinical obesity leads to obesity related illnesses like right. um, issues with blood pressure, issues with type two diabetes, issues with cholesterol, like all those things, heart, heart disease, disease, all that. Yep. So that's, that's the one end. that's the far extreme. The other low end would be 10%, 12%. Now I'm specifically talking about women, yeah. um, men, men, the, the, the numbers are a bit different. Um, yeah you know, you get around 12 to 14% body fat in women, and you are going to potentially be at risk of losing your period. You're no longer going to menstruate because your body is so lean. It can't sustain that bodily function. Um, and then we, that's, that's the other extreme. That's like very, very low end, you know, athletes kind of toe that line. Um, they get close to that. Um, but then when we talk about what's the middle, Anywhere yeah. I say 18 to 20% around those numbers mm -hmm. is, is a good, healthy, lean body that you can sustain for a very long time. Yeah. Um, and I think 
I think people lose sight of that and people are like, oh, well, I, I'm 20% body fat. I, I need to be way less than that. But the reality is like, mm, sure. I mean, if you want to, but just know that your progress is going to be a lot slower if you're already yeah. eating. You know, if you're 18 to 20% and you want to get a bit leaner, it's going to be tough because you're already at a very healthy, good place for your body. And so it's going to require more precision with weighing foods and measuring and being really strict and no alcohol and all that. Um, and I think for some people that that's a reality check, you know, that's a, yeah. oh, I, I didn't know that those are the numbers, you know, that we're talking about here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I think this isn't something that's talked about. Everyone gets so caught up on weight yeah. and one of my favorite ways to use body composition is to show people when they actually break down, like how much they weigh how much of that is fat? How much of that is, is lean mass? You know, other, like you said, it's your bones, it's your muscles, it's your organs, it's all the other stuff that's not fat. And these numbers are all just estimations, by the way. They're not exact. The only way to get exact numbers is to die and have an autopsy performed on your body. Like, let's not go there. Um, but I have had multiple conversations with women where they're like, I need to lose 15 pounds. I'm like, okay, the only way you're going to lose 15 pounds is if we cut off your arm. Like we do, you do not need to lose 15 pounds. Let's look at your current weight. How much of that is like, let's look at your body fat percentage and, and do, do the math. And it's like, actually for you to get into a, a good lean body fat percentage, you only need to lose like five pounds of fat and it blows their minds. And they don't understand that just by doing targeted fat loss, which is what we do, they don't need to do these extreme, crazy, I'm, I need to lose 15 pounds. They're going to get the look that they're after and the feel of being like really strong and confident in their bodies just by losing like five pounds of just fat. And that's, I mean, that's, I don't know about you, but that, that seems a lot easier, more doable than losing 15 pounds being on some crappy diet. Oh, absolutely. And I think so many times these numbers that people come up with are completely arbitrary. It's like, totally. Well, this was my pre-baby weight or yeah. this is what I weighed in high school. Well, guess uh -huh. what? Your body is not that body anymore. Right. <laughs> One. <laughs> Two, where are these numbers? Like, this is completely arbitrary. And so yeah. that's, why, that's why, like, we kicked off this conversation specifically talking about body fat percentage because to me, that's one of the, one of the gold standard ways to track progress because it's, it's scientific, you know, it's, it's not arbitrary. It's not, you know, these numbers that we're kicking out here are like, they're pretty standard numbers. Like if you look yeah. at the research, so it's not like, Ooh, you need to lose 15 pounds by this day. Like it's so many, that's so much of that stuff is so random and arbitrary and like just a fabrication that people have come mm -hmm. up with out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah. 100%. So if you don't know your body fat percentage and you want to learn your body fat percentage, Jen, what would you recommend they do? Um, there's a couple ways. If you have a trainer who's really good at the calipers, that's probably a, a pretty, pretty accurate measure, but the trainer has to be very, very good at that. So if you have somebody that can do calipers, um, otherwise I recommend the in-body. That's a pretty great, um, tool you'll see it at a lot of nutrition places or gyms will have them i know in tennessee i used to pop into a local um nutrition like supplement type store and they would let they would let you use it for free some places like hey if you buy if you purchase something you can use it for free mm -hmm. um with that though you've just got to watch like that you keep the time that you are measuring yourself consistent you know if, if you drink a bunch of water before you go measure then right 
and you don't do that the next time, then the numbers are going to be skewed. So you want to try to replicate if it's if it's after a workout, if it's before a workout. So you want to just keep all those um, variables the same every time you go use it. That way you yeah. get the most accurate reading. If you if you go on the InBody USA website, it actually gives you a list of things that you should do before you do an InBody scan to make sure that your your reading is going to be accurate and consistent. So go on their website. I think it's InBodyUSA.com. And there's also, I think, a search feature on there where you can see if there's a local um, public testing site near you. Yeah. yeah, that's our favorite. That's my favorite too. There's the nutrition store here in Apex, North Carolina that I pop over to once in a while and get a get a good reading every eight to 12 weeks or something like that. Yeah. Um, we saved the best for last. This is the most important thing. And once once this is locked in, you, you're pretty much good to go. And it's your mindset. So Jen, what are your thoughts on mindset and how important it is in terms of holding the middle ground? And I feel like maybe we need to have like a part two to this podcast because we <laughs> talk about mindset yeah. forever. Yeah. Forever. I think for me, one of the biggest mindset encompasses so many things. Um, you know, we work with our clients on a lot of different mindset tools and just how they approach nutrition, how they think about it. And I think we sort of, we, we have it overtly built into our program, but we also sort of weave it through. So it's hard mm -hmm. to kind of pinpoint one thing. Um, but for me, a big thing with mindset is um, the stuff we were just talking about on realistic expectations also mm -hmm. kind of goes with mindset. But for me, it's it's goal setting and it's understanding um, progress and understanding um, how do I how do I verbalize this goal setting in the sense of outcome versus process mm. and. I, I really sort of got the most exposed to this at the gym that I went to in Tennessee. The motto was always trust the process, trust the process, trust. People the process. hate that. They hate it when no. we say that. <laughs> hate it. It's so true because I know. trust the process and track your wins and your, like the things that you focus the most on, if you keep it related to the process, then the outcome is going to happen. And so that's the biggest thing for me for mindset is what you're focusing on, like what you're thinking about and, and what you're looking at. And an example of this would be, you know, we were talking about weight loss. Well, I need to lose 15 pounds. Okay. So if the goal, the ultimate goal is let's take that number away. Let's say the ultimate goal is changing your body composition and fat loss and that kind of thing what are the actions or what are the processes that we need to do in order to get there? So when you start to focus on, you know, those markers or those things that you can actively do, like the actions and the habits that you are putting into play and use those as your measure of success, you don't have to worry about the outcome because it's going to happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's a total, uh, I'm not going to say that word on my podcast, a mind for a lot of people because they've only ever focused on the outcome and they use yeah. the number on the scale to determine like that's everything. If yeah. that number on the scale stays the same or it doesn't go down as much as they want it to or as much as they think it should, it ruins their day, it ruins their mood. It means what they're doing isn't working. It means they're gonna go shopping for a new trainer. Their trainer sucks, you know, and it just, it sends them into a tailspin. Mm -hmm. I think for mindset for me, it, 
it means like it's your belief system, you know? Mm-hmm. And that was the biggest transformation for me when I started this process was learning about the science behind fat loss and how our bodies work and nutrition and training and why we do all of these things. Cause I think similar to what you were saying about how diets and extreme approaches to weight loss have these arbitrary numbers, like lose 15 pounds. Once you actually start learning about all of this science behind how our bodies work and, you know, it, it, it really changes you because you realize all of these ideas you had in your head about what this process looked like, those aren't actually true. They're, they're concocted by the diet industry. They're concocted by snake oil salesmen, and they're not actually designed to serve you or help you. They're designed to keep you stuck and keep you purchasing things that are going to keep you more stuck. That's how diets work. Um, And that's the real purpose behind them is to just line the pockets of whoever created that strict diet or whatever it is. So this stuff sets you free. And once you have this knowledge and you flip from being in this like fixed mindset, focused on arbitrary um, measures of your success, like how much you weigh and what the scale says, and you start actually doing the things that Jen and I have been talking about in this episode, you are free. That's the only way I feel I, I can describe it is like you are free and you finally break through all of that diet crap and you just settle right in the middle and you no longer even want to go in these other crazy directions. Like you, you just get it. And you're like, why now that I know the truth, why would I do that? Why would I do that again? Yeah, that's, that's really big. And I think that's definitely been the case for me. It's, it's one of those things where when you don't know something, when you don't understand Mm -hmm. something, you're kind of grasping in the dark and you're kind of just guessing and going with what you think is right. But then once you actually find like the science and the research and the like all the things <laughs> it's like the cloud lifts and it's like yeah oh it's like okay ah, angel singing <laughs> like the wizard pulling back the, the curtain you know yeah the wizard behind the curtain and you're like oh i get it now like yeah that makes That's sense how it works yeah so i think that i think you're right i think a big part of this is just understanding it's knowledge it's education and it's just getting out of the weeds of the everything that's out there, you know, that yeah. <laughs> there's so much out there to, to weed through. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. That's uh, the conversation I had in my DMS last night after my little walk and talk about how you shouldn't expect dramatic weight loss every week and how this is a really long, slow process. And like losing one to two pounds a week is actually really, really good progress. And one of our fat loss lifestyle school graduates popped in my DMs and was like, I didn't know any of these things until I worked with you guys. And I I said, you know, it is, it's crazy. Like the things that we hear and these things that people believe. And she's like, it's crazy what people teach that all the other programs that she had done before put all these wacky ideas in her head. And once she started learning the science behind fat loss and nutrition and training and and learning how our physiology works, she, she got it and she gets it now and she doesn't have to go back to all that crazy stuff she was doing before. But, you know, it's, I have a really bad habit of saying like, you know, I can't believe people believe all these things are true, but there are people out there teaching this. So, you know, I kind of, it's, it's almost not their fault. Like they don't know what they don't know until 
yeah we find them and teach them <laughs> totally but that's why our program is called school y'all because you come and you learn these things and it's only four weeks you don't need that long to learn how to do this stuff we'll hook you up in four weeks you'll get the foundation you'll get the knowledge and then you're free you're good to rock and roll and our goal is to make you independent and empower you to just take this and run with it and go live your best life in the middle ground and not always be chasing the next thing to pull you out of the extreme of, you know, sitting on your couch doing nothing and just kind of living in that violent back and forth swing. Jen, what last thoughts do you have to wrap up this episode of the middle ground? Man, I kind of got my, my wheels have been turning almost the whole time when we talked at the beginning about, um, this is kind of counter to like what we're like living in right now. Like everything yep. is oh, this or that, uh, you know, pick a team. Exactly. <laughs> and I think, you know, we're, we're, we're walking, we're just stepping away from that and saying, no, like you don't, you don't have to do the next greatest diet. You don't have to buy, you know, this X, Y, and Z thing in order for you to get results. Like it, it's just, it's just the middle, man. It's just the, like, it's just the middle here. <laughs> That's the new tagline for our program. It's the middle, man. <laughs> it's just, yeah. I mean, I, I think we, we didn't set out for this podcast to be about this pendulum swing back and forth, but like, that's what this literally about being in the middle is staying away from that, that rebound. And that when you, when you go to that far end, then you're just going to swing back the other way. So yeah. I think that's, that's my final thought. And that's kind of a takeaway of mine. I didn't intend to learn something while I'm recording a podcast, but <laughs> it just kind of shook out that way. Yeah. Yeah. It's about, it's the middle, man. Like that's my takeaway from this podcast. That was like the quote of the day. <laughs> yes, we're going to put that on tank top and sell it. Don't you worry. Um, <laughs> thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Get to the Point podcast. Um, if this is your first time listening, thanks so much. Leave us a review, give us a rating and let us know what you liked about this episode. If you want to connect with either Jen or myself after the episode, head over to Instagram. You can find me at Fat Loss Lifestyle School. And Jen, where can they find you? Um, I am on Instagram at Jen with two N's underscore Lucas underscore on Instagram. Yeah. And we would love to hear from you if this podcast episode was helpful. And if you are somebody who wants to learn how to live in the middle ground, you want to learn all these cool things that we've been talking about in this episode, come see us in 2022. We run Fat Loss Lifestyle School all year long. And chances are whenever you're listening to this episode, we have one starting really soon. So reach out and we'll let you know when the next opportunity is for us to work together. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll see you soon.